You're rolling down the street, smoking my endo, hole. sipping on gin and juice, laid back, my mind on my money and my money on my mind. I thought you were going easy E. Why don't you go? Rolling in the street in my six foot. Jack in the dough. This is We Get It with Polly Sebilia and Brent Axe. So recently, you were totally breaking my chops for all the vacation time that I get. I have just learned, breaking news, that Polly Sebilia will be on vacation for an entire week, allegedly. Now, Pauly tends to still show up here during his vacations, not knowing it's a freaking vacation. So is this going to be a full away-from-work vacation is my question. Yeah, new lady friend said you're taking Ooh. a couple days off and we're doing something. So, Thank you, lady friend. Please insist on more. You know, Polly's been doing this for a while. I'm sure he has vacation days he doesn't use. Lots. Yeah. Lots. Which is, what the hell's wrong with you? Why would you just let vacation days evaporate? Because this doesn't really stress We'd me We'd go off the air if I took all the vacation days. Just show us where the damn button is. We'll figure it out. Seth will screw this up. Yes, he, he absolutely will. That's why you tell me. I was going to put something in yes or no, but I just brought Seth up, so I'm going to hit you with this now. Okay. Seth broke my Jackie Chan bobblehead yes, yesterday. son of a bitch. So I yeah. went on to ask you, is Jackie Chan <laughs> an American treasure the answer is no. And can someone who's not an American be an American treasure? The answer is no. So, okay. So I said, let's do that on the podcast tomorrow, correct? Right. Correct. And then Seth went on the air with you yesterday. Stole, stole and the question. stole the question. Stole the question. And then comes to me today and says, that's not what we talked about. No, he stole your question. He totally stole your question. That was exactly what he phrased it as. Can somebody who's not an American citizen... Be an American treasure. And that's what we talked about. And in my true leaning, I do have some conservative blood in me. No. Damn it. You have to be from America. See, no. To I be an American treasure. I would put Winston Churchill. He's not an American, but he is a treasure to this country. You can be admired. You can be somebody that we discuss, write about, and idolize. But to be a true American treasure, you have to be an American there was once Got a it? point where Christopher Columbus was an American treasure, and he now he didn't he's, even discover America. Now he's so been thrown to the trash heap of history. Screw that guy! He didn't even discover America. Screw him. Ponce de Leon. I don't even know. Not if he an found American you. treasure. He found Florida, right? Polly, just Google if you're not sure. Um, I tried to Google his Jackie Chan an American citizen, and I, could, I couldn't come up with anything. I'm trying to think of someone else who's not American that could be an American treasure. There's, there is no answer. There is no answer. To be an American treasure, you have to be an American citizen. That's my stance. You, have to be, you don't have to be born in this country, but you have to be a citizen of this country. That's, that's my stance, and I'm sticking to Why it. am I drawing a blank on the baseball player who played for Pittsburgh? Roberto Clemente? Roberto Clemente, an American treasure. But didn't he become an American citizen eventually? It's not what I asked. Is he an American treasure? No, he's not. How oh, dare you? You son you of a bitch. You piece of crap. <laughs> Mariano Rivera. He's an American citizen. He's getting thrashed. Well, this is what I'm talking about. Professional athletes is a great example of this. There's a lot of, particularly baseball players, 
that are from Latin America. They're from Big other countries. Poppy. Big Poppy. We come to idolize them. We come to admire them. We watch their games. But are they a true American treasure? Unless they're an American citizen. We try and keep politics out of this, but I want to hit something that's been driving me nuts. And Build one of the that re- wall. One of the reasons I hate 2019 and where we're at in this world right now. Mariano Rivera is getting slaughtered for being a Trump supporter. Yes, he is. Yeah. Th- th- that's not okay. Why is it not okay? Because you can have political views opposing what other people think, and you're not a bad person. But getting slaughtered by who? Like you, this goes both ways. The media is killing him. Just like oh, here we nobody go. would even know that he was a Trump supporter. Why do we care? Why do we care what his political beliefs are? I think that's a fair point. I think that's a fair point. But it was not. Here's where here's where I agree with you. We never heard about this when Obama was president. We just didn't. Okay. The one thing I remember. The one thing I remember. It was was. Tim Thomas, the goaltender for the Boston Bruins, didn't go to the White House. All these teams and all these athletes that don't go to the White House, never heard about it. But I remember that one with Obama. It's a great question about whether we should know this or not and how much we should know and discuss about our athletes. But whether you support Trump or not, he's so polarizing. And a lot of athletes have taken a stance against him that I think it is unique when there's somebody out there that does support him and is willing to say that and is willing to admit that. That's where I get the media angle of it. So that's where I think it can be discussed. But do we really have to know that about Mariano Rivera, particularly Hall of Fame weekend? Like, this is his time. This is his moment. He's the first unanimous player to ever go in the Hall of Fame, which is ridiculous, but he was. And then we got to slide that in there. Like, I don't think I need to know that then. People having a political view that is a opposite of what someone else thinks does not make them a bad person. No, it doesn't. In this way we're painting people into being evil for either being too far left or too far right, it sickens me. Like, it's kind of gross. Like, Mariano Rivera is a good dude. As far as we know. He's a great dude. You know, like, he's never been arrested, nothing. So what? There's a lot of people that support political figures, Trump being the most polarizing, but other political figures, that that you shouldn't fully judge them on that. I will say that. Mm -hmm. There you go. We found some bipartisan common ground there. Trust me, if you really knew, I don't want to bring it on this podcast, but Paul, let's say Paulie and I disagree a lot politically. I have to. But we don't. We used to argue on Facebook all the time, and then we just kind of figured, like, what are we doing? Now Nobody you post cares. things, and the other day I deleted my account. You my, did. My, now we just text each other. Yeah. that's. I think that's worked out better for everybody. <laughs> and it usually turns funny after we It text. really does. And I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. All right, so TBT happened this weekend, Brent, and uh, Syracuse is kind of a... Is Syracuse different than other places when it comes to their to their university and the love of former players, do you think? No, they're not different. They're... I would... I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. How would you rank the passion that fan bases have for former players? Because, like, obviously Duke and North Carolina, UCLA, Kentucky... These major programs with history. What Syracuse is is unique. 
because you don't see any of those other schools hosting regionals in this tournament. Somebody described this well. I believe it was Chris Velarde, who works at Syracuse University. It's almost like Comic-Con for Syracuse basketball fans. This was the first time that Bayheim's Army and TBT was here, but fans would travel no matter where they were. So from that aspect of it, Paulie, it was amazing because OCC's packed for three days. Syracuse fans not only got to see former players, the current team in some form, pretty much all of them were there. Jim Bayheim, of course, was there. The coaches were there over the weekend. And if that's all you want, that's great because it's it's a cool thing, especially in the middle of summer. It's it's perfect for them. But they lost again. So I'm kind of wondering, like, when does this team become good enough to actually compete for the $2 million prize? Because that's a darn good team they had this year. I feel like uh, there's a couple guys that are a little long in the tooth. Yes, sir. That could have uh, been replaced by younger players. But you wonder where there's some players that don't play in this. And, and you could come up with a few names. Brandon Trish was hurt. Chris McCullough was busy making money, actually making money Still playing, playing basketball. Yeah. But the, where's Andy Routens? Where's you know, Trevor Cooney's out there? Trevor Cooney. I don't know if uh, Tyler Ennis is even playing basketball anywhere. Right He's now. in between, and that's the trick. Like you have some players are still going for pro contracts. Chris McCullough, you mentioned, was supposed to play and kicks ass in the Philippines, which leads to another pro contract for him. So he's got to go somewhere where he knows he's going to get paid as opposed to this tournament where you're hoping you make $150,000 as part of a $2 million prize. But I look, I think they do have to get younger in certain spots. I think they should scrap the zone defense altogether, which I know for Syracuse is blasphemy, but how many of these guys are playing zone in the pro teams they're on across the country? They're doing it from muscle memory. Ryan Blackwell, I think the head coach, feels like he's got to play zone because it's a Syracuse thing. No, you don't. No, you don't. But the thing that really hurts him, Paulie, is like, for example, this team that they lost to, Brotherly Love, they'd been practicing together for six weeks. Bayheim's Army had like four practices together as a team. How are you going to fight that? Because going forward, there's no way that Kevin Bell be the GM and Blackwell can put a team together that can practice for that long. It's just not feasible. And while I say some of the players are long in the tooth, Hakeem Warwick is amazing. 38 years old. He's still killing it. You're telling me that guy can't play in the NBA? Give me a give me a freaking break. That guy can still play. He's got game, man. I mean, yeah, he could be the last guy off the bench somewhere. Yes, that's what I'm saying. On a bench, like on a team. I'm not saying he's an all-star. No, but, he's but that's an NBA practice. player. Of course. He's still Inspector Gadget, man. Go, go, Gadget Arms. That's incredible. Yes, sir. Yes. No, 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 no. That was very dramatic. Yes or no, Brent? I thought I had the piece of paper in front of me, and it wasn't. I got mad. <laughs> just go with my dramatic description. You gave away the I whole thing. I just got completely unraveled because my paper was. You actually, I was, I was a little shook there for a minute. Like, What's going on? Anyway? <laughs> why isn't? Why didn't I put that paper in front of me? The Yankees can win in the playoffs. With their current roster, and I know the trade deadline is tomorrow, but I don't think they're built for a playoff run. They can't go deep in the postseason with this pitching. I mean, their pitching since the All Star break, that's a good three week stretch, Polly, has been the worst in Major League Baseball. And look, the Red Sox kicked their ass this weekend. The Red Sox are an anomaly because 
They're one of a few super teams constructed that way offensively. But I don't think the Yankees can win this way. I don't think you can just outscore people in the postseason. You still need pitching. The reason the Red Sox won last year is they actually got decent starting pitching. Chris Sale came on late in the year. David Price was great in the postseason. And uh, Craig Kimball drove me crazy and gave me five heart attacks in the postseason, but he still closed games. Do the Yankees have a lockdown rotation at this point? The answer is no. So we're talking before the trade deadline ends here. I'm curious how aggressive they'll be there and and what kind of team they can put together in the two months before the postseason. And we all thought this was going to be a crazy trade deadline. Unless it all happens in 24 hours, there's been nothing It's been pretty quiet, other than the Mets, who are everybody's wondering what the hell they're up to. I guarantee you, all right, I'm going to throw five bucks at you. We'll know by tomorrow. They're going to keep Syndergaard, and I think they actually think they can win in 2020. Well, by math, they, they're they right. They're only like six games out right now. The National League in some spots is pretty wide open, but because they're the fucking Mets, the answer is no, they can't win. The Clippers are thinking of changing their name, yes or no? Yes. Why? I, I think it's smart, actually. I think you you move past that Clippers era. Like when I think of the Los Angeles Clippers, okay, by and large, they suck. They suck. There's a there's just a stain there. The Donald Sterling era, the other team in LA, nobody cared about. They've had a little success lately, and of course, they went all in with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George here, but even that might be temporary, Paulie. I think you do make a change. I think you make just a complete turn the page from the old era of Clippers basketball. So the question becomes, of course, what what should they be named? The redheaded stepchild. Uh, there you go. Perfect. Little brother. Because here's the thing: the Lakers isn't even a Los Angeles thing. They took it from Minneapolis. Yeah. So what's a true Los Angeles name? Because oh, look, let's go through the LA the teams. Stars. The I don't know where the Dodgers came from, but does does that have? That's a Brooklyn thing. Yeah. They took that from Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. The Los Angeles Rams. That's not an original thing. I know they went to St. Louis and came back, but what does that have to do with L.A.? I think the Rams were original. But what does it have to do with L.A.? Like, I'm saying, like, they need a nickname that fits the city. What about the right? Stars? It's simple, but it works. There's the Dallas Stars in the National Hockey League, but just but this take would be it back like from them. Star yeah. Stars. Exactly. Like, not in the Sky Stars. It would be, like, left-wing, liberal, filthy Stars. Paulie, I thought we didn't care about people's politics <laughs> uh, in sports. That's all I got because Seth stole my Jackie Chan bit. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? All right, Paulie, I Googled stuff. All right. Are you ready? Yes. It was this week in 1984, speaking of Los Angeles, the Olympics was taking place. Mary Lou Retton year. There you no go, No Russia. Baby. I was going to say, no Russia that year. We protested in 80, so they returned the favor in 84. I do have to say say this. Uh, Brent is normally not in the air, in the building when we do this podcast, and today right. he was here an hour early. I was here early today, man. And I was yeah. ready to do this because he was here. And he really puts time into this iGoogle stuff. You have seen the process now. Takes way too long. Go ahead. 
You might be right about that. It's 11 11, make a wish. <laughs> make it happen, man. Uh, this week, Paulie, in 1980, Hall and Oates put out their ninth studio album, Voices. See, when you think Hall and Oates, you think 80s. I right? do. I was we, surprised to see this. And we had this discussion in the, in the office yesterday because I was. This is going to dovetail right into that topic we were going to have. I wanted to play Hall and Oates. Uh, was it Rich Girl? Yes. On my 80s show for In, the movie Song wait, of the wait, Night. Insert liner here. I wanted to play it for the movie Song of the Night because it was in a movie, but it wasn't from the 80s. So could I play a song from the 70s that was in an 80s movie? I was think the you question. can. I think if, you are, if, you're, if you're doing a 1980s show and the movie came out in the 80s and the song is related to that movie, I think you can do it. And then the most obvious one came up was Moving in Stereo by The Cars for when Phoebe Cates gets out of the pool. Everybody thinks 80s song. No, 1970s. It's a 70s song, but it was in an 80s movie. And it's more known for being in that movie than it is for being a Cars song. So right? Paulie and I were thinking about this. What were songs that were more known for being in the movie than like an actual hit standing alone as a song? Well, this... Leads to my favorite band of all time. All of their songs are only known for being in movies. Dead Man's Party. Is, oh, Boingo Boingo. Yeah, yeah. Is is back when you school. say yeah when you say Dead Man's Party it's back to school. When you say Weird Science, oh Weird Science. The movie. Yeah, like all their songs are known for being in movies. This doesn't happen anymore. I mean, Kenny Loggins made a living off of this, but making songs for movies. Well, Top Gun's another classic example of that. Every song in that movie is you more know, known for movie. being in the movie than being the song. Danger Zone, Playing with the Boys. <laughs> you always got a crowbar playing I, I, with the boys. I love that volleyball scene. I, I really do. Um, let's see. I'm All Right, Caddyshack. Yes. No one remembers that song on its own, but this, as soon as you've seen the movie, Footloose, he, that was a big hit. So... I, but probably still more associated with the movie than the song. We itself, also right? we bring we've talked about this song uh, during your segment before. Holiday Road is another one that you think movie before actual song. Definitely, absolutely. I had no idea it was Lindsey Buckingham until you told me that on this podcast. Now here's here's a debatable one. Layla, that was a huge hit for Eric Clapton, right? Yes. Okay. When it gets to the piano sequence, Goodfellas. Remember in Goodfellas when, you know, they're pretty much laying out everybody that they whacked from the Latanza heist? That is an iconic movie song moment. Now, Layla was a huge song for Eric Clapton otherwise, but I'd almost say some people know that song more for that scene of that movie than the actual song. What about Stuck in the Middle? Oh, that's a good one. Right? That thinks you think movies immediately, Ooh. right? You think the movie immediately. Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. I think it depends what generation you are. Like for me, I had never heard that song until I watched that movie. And now every time I hear it, I think of the movie, but for a certain generation, no, they they remember the song. That's a good one. All right, we got the topic in. 
Okay. We crowbar that in there. A few other things here, Paulie. Um, random cover of TV Guy. This is from 1989. And I want you to answer this question. Does married with children go too far? No, not far enough, especially when it comes to Christina Applegate's clothing. I absolutely love that this was a topic of discussion 30 years ago, that married with children was pushing the envelope. How hot was Christina Applegate? Uh, one of my first like television crushes, for sure. Paulie, it was this week in 1982 that Andy Kaufman and Jerry, and Jerry Lawler went at it on Letterman. Do you remember this? Yes, yeah, slapped him in the face. Slapped him in the face. Was that rigged or not? Yes. It was rigged, yes. For a long time, people felt it wasn't, but it was. It was this week in 1995, Polly, that uh, two movies came out. The Net with Sandra Bullock. All right. That was when the internet was still, you know. I've never seen it, so I'm You've never seen that one? No. Okay. How did that do in the box office? I don't think I've ever heard of it. It actually did pretty well. Is she stalked off the internet? I felt like they, yes. Uh, I felt like they kind of jumped the gun on that because a lot of people didn't have the internet yet. They were just starting to get like those AOL discs in the mail and like we weren't really, everybody like freaked out a lot of people about what the internet was, but they kind of jumped the gun on it. I used to sit in those stupid AOL chat rooms and talk to people. I'd go to the radio station. I would drive to the radio station because I didn't have a computer. <laughs> So what were you talking my, about in those chat rooms, Paulie? Don't Polly? worry about it. Pants, it was also this my week. pants stayed on. <laughs> it was also this week. Thank goodness. In 1995, the movie Waterworld came out. Remember the turd that was? Yes. That was, I actually read a story about this movie, about how it kept going over budget. The director quit during filming. Uh, it went way over budget. The budget of that movie was supposed to be like $60 million. It ended up costing nearly $200 million. It took 200 days to film. It was supposed to be filmed in 60 days. Like It just kept being disaster after disaster. And I think of Kevin Costner. Costner is one of the great actors of all time. But he made some real turds, man. He made this. Remember The Postman? Like All these big budget, horrible movies he was making. He had a bad run there for a while. Was Waterworld worse than Ishtar? You remember Ishtar was a I do. What was I the do. one with J-Lo and Ben Affleck that bombed? Geely. Yeah. There's been some real bad movies with big-time A-list actors. This is a blast from Miss One, too. Howard the Duck was a bomb. That movie bombed. But some people consider it a cult classic. And they're remaking it, by the way. Are they? See, I'm circling I think, back on that one. I think it might be easier to do now. Did Now, here's... I don't remember this. I just see things about it on the internet therefore it must be true did leah thompson and the duck did they do it in that movie like was there a sex scene in that movie or was, was it like so, implied uh, now i gotta Google. now that. we gotta google that yeah because if that's true like that's that's a little left up man. well that's like, no I don't worse than those geico commercials when the pigs dating girls yeah but i there's certain lines you don't cross Polly, and i think that's one of them. was there a love see i'm doing this as pc as possible <laughs> Don't get in trouble. Scene in Howard the Duck. Like Howard the Duck was a huge comic, and that the movie bombed, right? Uh, awkward movie sex scenes. And then there was the time Leah Thompson almost had sex with a giant duck in almost. Howard the Duck. So it was an almost. Okay. Leah Thompson takes him in, in this scene. The pair joke about hooking up, but things become very real when Thompson starts putting the moves on her new duck friend. Thankfully, she stopped before he could 
take your top off. I know we'll be YouTubing when we're done with this podcast. Yes, and I would have liked to have seen her with her top off. Polly, random TV descriptions. You ready for this? Yes. Uh, it was this week in 1989 on Full House. Uncle Jesse performs as an Elvis impersonator. On a different world, Denise enters Dwayne in the Miss Hillman contest in her efforts to smash sexual stereotypes on campus. You, there was a real awkward pause when you said Denise enters Dwayne. <laughs> I love where your mind goes. Remember the show Gimme a Break? Yes. Okay. Nell Carter. Yeah, Nell Carter this Sucked week. Sucked up the goldfish with the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> this week on Gimme a Break, Nell saves the Kaczynskis after two burglars break in. Good What'd job, Nell. Sit on them? Wait a <laughs> How dare you? Fat shaming Nell, a dead Nell Carter. <laughs> Polly, what was the number one song in all of the land this week in 1994? And I know it's past the your Macarena. I knew I, I got it this time. It was the Macarena. It was not the Macarena. I wish it was because uh, that's got to be close, right? I don't think this song gets any further away from the Macarena. Remember your girl Lisa Loeb? Yes. And you say, "I only hear what I want to." When the f- I'm going to swear. When the f. Was the Macarena number one? We need to find out the answer to this because you. Every time I bring up the 1990s, like Macarena. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna say 1995. I mean, they were about a year off. The Macarena came out in 1993. That early? I let me see when it. Uh, but it was an international hit and dance craze in 95, 96, 97, and 98 and continues to be popular. It was ranked the number one greatest one-hit wonder of all time. Uh, the song uses blah, blah, blah. It was ranked the number seven Billboard's all-time top 100. It also ranked number one on Billboard's all-time Latin all songs. Right. I'm trying to find it. Now you know and no one's half the battle. 95, 97, it was number one. 95? You just said 1993. It was released. In 1995, it hit number one. So you were right. Thumbs up. Did it hit number one twice? It might have. Now we've got a dispute here. Boy, we suck at Google and stuff lately. I still don't know what weeks, but I'm just going to guess anytime you say 1995. It's I'm just going to forget Macarena. this whole conversation took place. I enjoy when you guess the Macarena. By the way, 1994, killer year for movies. Speed, The Lion King, Forrest Gump, Clear and Present Danger, and The Mask all came out that summer. I liked The Lion King and The Mask. You weren't a Clear and Present Danger guy? No, my dog Jack looks like Ryan. the dog in Mask, so I like it. There you go. All right, Paul, you ready for this week's $5 wager? Yes. You're on a bit of a losing streak here. Let's do this. Is it? I have... Look at this, rich radio guy. I have exactly $1 in my it's wallet. It's movie rental. I don't have any, so you're okay. going to be beat. So I'll have to go to the ATM machine if you're right. Throw you my uh, Amex. We are going to the top four movie rentals. The year is 1989. I went back to a friendly decade for you. 
1989. So this is how it works, folks, if you haven't been listening. I give Polly a list. These are the top four video rentals, in this case from 1989. If Polly can guess one of them and I give him three guesses, he wins $5. It's just that simple. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Incorrect. That movie came out in 1989, not a movie rental in 1989. Uh, Batman. Also released in 1989. So Son the answer is no. Bitch. He put his wallet up because he thinks I'm cheating. Yeah, I I, I, I I'm blocking my I'm list. Fi- I see you looking I'm over 50 here. 50 years old. I can't see that far. Uh, Get some glasses on your vacation. Uh, give one more guess. You want a hint? No. I'm even willing to give you a hint. I don't hint. want okay. your stupid hint. Okay. You did bring up Batman. The number one song this week in 1989 was Bat Dance by Prince. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, let's go with Under the Cherry Moon. <laughs> These are the top four movie rentals this week in 1989. You ready? Number four, Coming to America. Great movie. Number three, The Accidental. I always thought that was way earlier than that, like 88. Oh, they, see... Movie rentals, you got to remember at this it's time. It's like a year later. It's about a year. But I would have thought now that was they're like, out three months later. I thought but that was then like 85. It took about a year. So Coming to America was 88. Uh, number three was The Accidental Tourist. Never would have guessed that. Never would have guessed that. Number two, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Steve Martin. Love that flick. That That's an all-timer for me. I could watch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels anytime. Never seen it. Great movie. Dude, you would love Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Let's see I, if it's on Netflix. I guarantee you would love that movie. Number one, Twins. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito. I saw that in the movie theater. I'm. Just, it's not that good. No. It doesn't hold up well either. Does Kindergarten Cop, someone mentioned that on Facebook the other day. Do you think Kindergarten Cop holds up? Not at all. There's a lot of things about Kindergarten Cop that make me cringe. One good thing about Twins, though, young Kelly Preston. Scorching up. Got anything else? I think that's it, Polly. All right. Good day, sir. You say I only hear what I want to. You say I talk so all the time. So.